Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to 11. And once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Greg Dutcher sitting across from me. Greg, how are you doing today? Doing well, man. I mean, we're recording this on Leap Day. Mm-hmm. So that's a first. It is. Uh, February 29th. Um, I've, it, I'd love to hear of anybody in our audience who was born today and uh, how they solve that eternal dilemma. <laughs> you know, uh, February 28th or, Mar- or March 1st, when did they have their birthday that's right. in, in the other three years? Uh, but doing great, man. And for February 29th, we're at a balmy 60 degrees here. Yeah. For this area, this time of year, pretty sweet. Yeah. Pretty sweet. Orioles are in Sarasota. Um, I think the first uh, preseason game starts Wednesday, I think. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty excited uh, to talk about something beside the Ravens. So doing well. <laughs> and we have Tracy Smith joining us again. If you remember, Tracy and Lisa joined us for our Pastors Wives podcast that we did back in June. Tracy, how are you? I'm doing well. It's especially nice because it's, uh, let's see, 4 to 33, and my, that means my husband is home with the kids doing all of the uh, homework. So <laughs> I'm, I'm super happy to be here. Yeah, you, That's right. You want to join us every week, don't you, Tracy? Just if it's yeah. at 4 o'clock. Right. <laughs> That's, good. That's good. And we have to ask, before we get to our special guest, Nathan, yeah. um, we are recording this the night after the Oscars. And uh, the only interest I had last night in the Oscars because of Matt, Tracy's husband, my good friend, was if Sylvester Stallone won Best Supporting Actor. And he did not. Correct? Some other Matt's dude? Matt's in mourning. Yeah. Is he okay, Tracy? He's been pretty sad today. <laughs> but I think he'll, um, he'll come around. Were there any tears shed? I think so. He was kind of sneaking away from a meeting, looking at his phone to see what the results were. But I, I think he's getting through today. Yes. Okay, good. When well, we have him back on, Nathan, will because remember, he told us on a previous podcast yep. after he won the Golden Globe that it's a lock. Yep. And I said, I doubt it. I said, it, doesn't that almost mean they're going to do something different That's right. uh, for the Oscars? So they gave it to the other dude from uh, Bridge of Spies, Bridge of Spies which yep. I thought was very good, too. Yeah. And I thought that guy did a good job. But on to more important things. That's right. Our special guest, Stephen Altrogi. Uh, Stephen, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. And Tracy. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. Uh, for, yeah, for those gotta, of you who um, be politically correct, that's yeah, right. That's right. That's, that's right. right. For those of you um, who uh, may not remember, we had Stephen on last year. Um, probably what was it? March, April, something like that. We were talking about worship and um, should uh, people feel compelled to um, bake uh, homosexual couples a wedding cake? Oh, that's right. Um, I forgot so, about that. Yeah. yeah so oh, yeah, forgot about all that. <laughs> That's why he's joining us. He forgot all about That's it. That's right. No, because that was uh, you had written that article on the Blazing Center, yeah. right, yep. Stephen? That yep. was that was a yeah. great article, and I remember that yeah. uh, that conversation. That's back, Stephen, when we were like nobodies. We had like two listeners, and now we have like four. So you have uh, no? I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah, they're <laughs> crushing it. We, <laughs> but um, man, and, and Tracy, I know. I, I just have to give it how much you miss Stephen. On the happy rant. I do. Yeah. I I, li- I listen to to it still, but I miss your voice and your perspective. So, are you ever going to come back? I don't know. I've had several people tell me that. Um, I, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'm I'm debating. I don't know if I'd come back or if I'd start something new. I'm one of those guys who like I I get interested in something for a little bit, and then once it's up and rolling, I'm kind of bored and on to the next thing. So I'm, yeah. and that's sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes that's a bad thing. So I don't know. I I, I really enjoy doing it with um, Ted and with Barnabas and Ronnie's a good friend of mine too. So I don't know. I, I, maybe I'll go back for like a guest cameo or something like that. Kind of 
Because they still you know, bust like on you when, a little bit. Yeah. Well, that doesn't that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> yeah, but once like their theme Given. music changed, I thought that meant like you were out for good. So I was a little worried. Yeah. That was like the nail in the coffin. I mean, I yeah. I don't know. I I I kind of feel like you know I'm I'm in retirement. So do I really want to ruin my retirement? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Plus, dude, I mean, you're living down in Florida, so that's you're already halfway there. <laughs> you're living in Florida, collecting. <laughs> Collecting say, seashells yeah. that will propel me into eternity. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, I knew the seashell thing would get in there at some point. That's uh, that's great. So you, um, uh, when when you were on with us last year, Steve, you at that point uh, in your time at the Happy Rant had not ever actually met in person uh, either of your co-hosts. Uh, still haven't. Or and you still haven't met them. Wow. <laughs> still haven't. Wow. I just don't get out of Florida very much, and they don't ever get this far south so yeah. it's sort of like i don't know it's just it's hard to make it happen and i've got little kids so it's hard to just like justify going on some sort of road trip yeah i don't know yeah. maybe maybe the listeners of this podcast could fund uh, a special <laughs> reunion tour hey there you go live reunion tour there you go what do you think nathan you want hey, to put that out that's right right could could it, could, could they fund Something for us too. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> we, if hey, anyone we, is we interested in funding a hundred thousand dollars reunion tour, <laughs> <laughs> Tracy, you're. I'll, I'll back you. I'll come on retirement for that. Good. I'll back you. <laughs> good, good, Steve. So, what what kind of things are you doing right now? I mean, I've read some things that you're doing online, but just to let folks know. Yeah, I um, I. The the big creative thing I've spent my time doing recently is I really enjoy helping people write, um, helping them develop ideas, helping them create stuff. Um, that's kind of one of, I don't know, I just enjoy it. I think it's something I'm somewhat decent at. So I, I created a, an online course where I basically try to, to help people walk through basically how to take an idea and take it all the way from an idea to having a finished manuscript in front of them in book form. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's a lot of work doing something like that. Um, but it's been cool getting to uh, interact with people, relate to people, help them work through their ideas. Um, so that's, I mean, that's the big project I've been working on right now. That's awesome. Very cool. And actually, that's um, that's a perfect segue uh, for this next thing because we, uh, we're we actually going to give away um, three free copies of uh, your book, Stephen Create, to um, the three, uh, three random uh, Twitter followers who retweet this particular podcast link um, on their Twitter feed. So um, we're going to give those away to, uh, to our listeners um, for those of you it's who are It's a short, interested. easy read. Yeah, yeah, that – Stephen, I mean, that was a great book. I think, Stephen, I have the honor. How pathetic is this? When you give yourself the honor that I'm going to give myself, I think on Amazon at one point I was your first reviewer of that book. I think book. you're right. Yeah. Actually, I think you're right. Now I'm going to pull it up wow. and look as we're talking. <laughs> I thought so. I thought so. Now, granted, I mean, you paid me a, a handsome sum for I that, want... but that, that, that is a joke. I want to see if your review has actually been helpful to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's the scary. That, part. That's the most important part. Yeah, no, <laughs> Reviews are great, but have they been helpful? I am not so sure about that, but I, I'm pretty certain I, I was in there early on that book. Create did did you read it, Tracy? Yeah, I read it. I I can picture where I read it. I was on vacation on the roof of our house in um, in Pauly's Island, and I was reading on my Kindle. I loved it, uh, and then I passed it on to um, 
My son, Stephen. Yeah, it's a great, great book. I mean, Stephen's just for our listeners, has written – I mean, everything he's um, written is great. And you'll notice a very fresh, humorous, engaging style. I think Mm -hmm. that characterizes everything he writes. And really, uh, what I love is – Stephen, you're one of those writers that you you write like you speak to me. In other words, your voice comes through to me in the same way. I don't know if everybody finds that to be the case. But Tracy's nodding, so I take that there's at least two of us that feel that way. So have uh, have you checked it out, Stephen? Uh, yes, you're actually the top customer review still. Oh, still at the top. And the question is, was it helpful to anyone? 18 of 18 people found this helpful. There you go. Wow. All right. Thank you, Nathan. Mom. So, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's good. So you can go and check it out, um, to get a little preview, uh, listeners, to, uh, uh, Amazon, Stephen Altrogi, Create, Mm -hmm. excellent short book. And I think the, the the best thing you do in that, well, uh, of the many things you do, you make the case because I thought, is the engineer, is the analytical guy going to read that? But you make room for that dude in in your book. Uh, you, yeah. You, you basically say there's room for creativity for everybody. And I'm going to put yep, you on the sure. put you on the spot there really quick. Can you elaborate on that, Stephen? Uh, yeah. I mean, the the idea I think a lot of people that a lot of people have is like creativity is just for the super artsy people who you know they wear their paint spatter jeans and they walk around with moleskin notebooks and uh i i just don't think that's the case i think that's too limiting in terms of what creativity is i think creativity is uh it's a god instilled impulse in everyone to take things and bring order to them in ways that are beautiful Mm. and that works that works across the board. I mean, it's not just paint. It's not just writing. It's not just music. It's an engineer taking raw materials and designing a way for them to work together. It's um, it's a. I mean, it's even like a you know a mathematician taking raw data and making intricate formulas out of it. That's all creativity. And so I think I think we limit too narrowly what creativity is. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. That's great. Um, and we just want to let our listeners know out there the reason. Um, well, one of the reasons why we're having you on here, other than the fact that you're a really cool uh, guest to have on, is um, you, Greg, and Tracy are uh, Stephen King fanatics. And so we are uh, going to be dedicating uh, this podcast to uh, your obsession uh, with Stephen King. Um, <laughs> That's probably my obsession, bro. It, I, I don't know if, Steve, you would say you're obsessed. I'm I, not obsessed. I'm just a very big fan. That, that's good. Yeah. yeah, I'm a fan. Maybe yeah. like one step less than big fan, but I'm a fan. Okay. Then I'll be the... Uh, I'll, You're the I'll obsessed be the, person. I'll be the Greg serial will be obsessed. obsessed. It fits Greg's personality. <laughs> Weird reader that knows too much about a man I've never met. I'll be that guy. Right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and for those of you out there, we are talking about the um, the horror novelist, uh, Stephen King. He's actually done more than horror, but he's, he's uh, very well known for his... Horror genre, Carrie, The Shining, The Stand, um, Dark Tower series, eleven twenty two sixty three, and the new detective trilogy, um, the Bill Hodges story. Um, so, guys, I'm just going to leave it in your hands, and if I think of anything, I'll ask, but otherwise... You're going to let you. the word nerds, the, the Stephen King word nerds talk it out. That's yeah, right. That's right. That's right. Um, well, I guess one of the things that, um, that I'll... I'll just sort of say to set the stage is um, why Stephen King and why did I want you, Steve, to come on and talk about this. Uh, It really comes back to uh, when I read 
your book Create again. You you quote him several times. I think predominantly from his his book on writing, which is such a great book. Uh, you've read it as well, Tracy, haven't you? Yes, I'm actually most of the way done it now. It's yeah, really good. Really, mm. just 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 an entertaining read, uh, and it's very good. And I guess uh, until I read that, Steve, like I had read a lot of King, but I, I sort of hushed it up, knowing that I'm not <laughs> not so sure. Plus, Christians I'm a aren't allowed. Yeah, Christians aren't allowed to read Stephen King. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, you picture the guy saying, "I'm." I only look at the King of Kings, not Stephen King or something like that. You know, some horrid cliche, but I actually do have a a true little anecdote on this. A few years ago, I have to be careful here because it was in my extended family. I'm uh, by the pool. It's a beautiful summer day, and I'm reading a a King book. I think it was one of the Dark Tower books, and I'm reading it, and uh, a young girl who's about 10 or 11 in my extended family came over and just said, what are you reading? And... You know, I said, oh, I'm just reading a book. <laughs> she said, who wrote that? Because my hand was over it. I said, oh, just a guy. And uh, I kind of had a vibe on how her mom and dad might have felt. So anyway, she finally was like a dog on a bone and saw that I was reading Stephen King. And she goes, Stephen King, isn't he bad? And cool. I just said, uh, what? Uh, you know, I sort of played dumb. Well, I didn't even think about it. She goes over across the other side of the pool and must tell her parents later at the oh. at the end of the day she comes Tattletale. over to me she was and she goes I told my mom what you're reading and she said Stephen King is evil uh, and so that was nice. that was one of my I I actually think I would there's some people in my extended family who I would get that exact same reaction from. Is, is that right wow wow yeah. yeah these are you know again committed Christians that to my knowledge have never read Stephen King. Uh, you know, per se. So I, every time I read him, I, I, I'll also say this, in 96, I was in seminary, uh, Stephen, my wife was a nurse at that point, working night shift, putting me through school. That Christmas, I got a book by him, not one of his better known ones, called Desperation. I don't know if you've read that one. No, I haven't read that one. Um, read it, it was a, a massive book, you know, and I, I really got into it. Um, and I was reading this thing, and I thought, this guy gets people and gets, whether he calls it this or not, depravity better than a lot of Christians that I talk to in just everyday conversation, or at least have felt that way. Um, he also had some interesting thoughts. So they, there, there's a refrain in that book uh, where the characters say God is cruel. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't have to get into all of that, but it was, it was very intriguing to me that the characters in this book are grappling with suffering. They're grappling with seeming random purposelessness in the universe. And I, I know it sounds strange, but I read that book and I, I, in a weird way, got a lot out of it. I felt like I understood the mind of a person better, maybe an unbelieving person that's dealing with trials and, and, and hardships and how they might think of things that I, Romans 8.28, or I cover under God's providence – um, so that, that's always been in the back of my mind, but I felt like I could never talk about it. And then, uh, I read your book several summers ago and here you are quoting him. And I thought, man, I, I already loved Al Trogi, but I love this dude even more because yeah. he's unabashedly quoting him in, in a positive way. So, sure. uh, it just seemed like you're a guy I've always said, I'd love to talk to Stephen about the other Stephen, um, Stephen King. And since we couldn't get him on, 
You're the next best, next best I'm, thing. I'm practically equal. Yeah. You're practically <laughs> him. In all facets. Your book sales, your book sales have been right up there with Stephen King. Book for sure. sales, the um, uh, it's all it's all on par. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good. So I just wanted to say that's why I um, uh, wanted uh, you to to talk with you about this, Stephen. And just as I share that, do you do you have any resonance with that? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think one of the reasons. I, I mean, I I think one of the reasons Stephen King is so massively popular. Yet, I mean, he's a great storyteller. So I, there's that for sure. But there's something extremely real and earthy about his books that does not feel like fiction to me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, like I just listened to the audio version of the body which is the ins- which is the inspiration for the movie stand by me yeah and man it it so perfectly captures what it's like to be a young boy kind of coming into adulthood um and it it the the plot is around that these four young boys going to find this body that they know is in the woods dead body and it's just he captures reality in a way that does not feel like fiction and so i don't know i just i think there's a lot to learn from him um as a christian looking at an unbeliever you can learn a lot about the world and about how unbelievers think through his writing yeah 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 well said tracy you were nodding at a few things he was saying there does that yeah i think i think his storytelling especially like i had just read um it over the summer and I think when he takes you back to to the kids to the losers club yeah. you it's so real like I can remember having my own little clubs as kids we weren't called losers we probably felt like losers but <laughs> I could immediately like go back and imagine I could picture where the kids were what they were doing how they looked it was just it just takes you right back to your childhood and it's it's just so I think earthy is a good way to describe it you can feel it you can smell it you can you just feel like you've been where his his characters are, especially I think the young kids. Yeah. For me, he has a way of describing things. Um, I, I don't normally experience. I can't see things as vividly with other writers as I do with Stephen King. Yeah. I don't know exactly why that is, but he just has this way of being so descriptive without being overbearing. Like I don't know if you you know if you think of like reading through like the uh, like the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. J.R. Tolkien was descriptive, but at points it was like way overbearing <laughs> descriptive. Yeah. Like I'm wading through like forty pages of narrative about what the landscape looks like. I'm right, like, yeah, right. I don't need I don't need that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Stephen King, I just I, I love how he describes describes things. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh to, to your point, Tracy, he does kids very well mm-hmm. uh that's a theme in so many of his books like even uh, you haven't read the girl that loved tom gordon yet no we were i haven't about that. i haven't that i mean I, I i mean you know i've well my oldest daughter's 17 now but the girl in the book is about 12 and i read it oh, maybe a year or so before samantha was 12 and he just nails it hmm. i mean the way he describes her fears the way he describes her daily routine prior to getting lost in the woods and again, he is guessing what a young 12, 13-year-old girl, or however old she is, 10, 11, 12, preteen age, would react in that situation. I just think he nails it. Uh, and it, yeah, what he did with those kids in, what, mm. 1958? Is that when it's set? That was when amazing. Kids was so good. Even though I was a kid in the 70s, 
as were you. Right. Uh, and Stephen, you were what a kid in the eighties. Eighties, uh, yeah. Eighties. It just it was timeless. It was the same insecurities. Um, the way he even sort of described, you know, having a crush on a girl and all that sort of thing. It was just he just nailed it, and uh, I just think you're immediately riveted by uh, by his uh, books. But you are going to jump back in, right, Nathan, and ask? Us yeah, you yeah, know. I do. Um, you know, I haven't read Stephen King before. I've <laughs> seen several of the movies. Um, I'm not a um, I'm not a glorious reader. Um, I'm not even a um, I don't know what's less than that. I'm not, I'm not a reader. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just not. Um, but I, I do have some questions for you guys. Um, which one of your books is your favorite and why? King book, good question. Um, who are uh, – Stephen, why don't which, you take that first? Which Stephen King book is my favorite? Yeah, and why? Oh, man. <laughs> I really, really, really liked Joyland. Yeah. That's what I'm reading now, actually. Yeah. Oh, man. It was like Joy, – the plot of Joyland is it's set in this – it's a carnival atmosphere. I forget. When when does it take place? Is it the 60s or the – no, the 70s. 70s. I think it's the 70s. 70s, yeah. Yeah, 70s. Because he's referencing the doors and, and yes. things like that. Yeah, so it would have been the 70s. Man, he just – he captures – it's a great story, first of all. He captures carnival life yeah. really, really well. Like you just – I was just taken back to like times when I would visit like amusement parks, like old-timey amusement mm-hmm. parks, not like the modern like Bush Garden amusement parks. Mm-hmm. Right. But like the old-timey amusement parks, the hot dogs, the, you know, the games. It's just – I, I love the whole book, the feel of it. And there was a supernatural element to it, but it wasn't a horror supernatural no. element. Hold on, you're not going to give me a spoiler, are you? Oh, that's right. I'm only like 50 pages in. Yeah, yeah. I know Um, there's a ghost. No, I won't. I'm not going to go any further in the plot just to say (laughs) it wasn't, there's no element of horror to it. It was just, it was a great story. I really enjoyed it. So that's, I'm not good with favorites, but that's certainly one of my favorite books Mm. by him. Stood out. Yeah. And you know, uh, Stephen, that's a great one to mention for somebody that you know says, "Hey, I haven't read Stephen King and doesn't want to read, you know, a, an eleven hundred page The, the stand. stand, right? Yeah. <laughs> or something, you know, you're not My the brother book has the audio book. It's the Stand audiobook is forty eight hours. Wow, wow, that's a lot. <laughs> that is the total unabridged uh, yeah, version of it. Yeah, because even the abridged version is like a a massive tome, you know. But Joyland yeah. um, is is a great book. Right before we. Uh, um, started the podcast today. Trace and I were talking about that book and I vacation for years now in a beach down there called Sunset Beach, North Carolina, which I think based on the topography he lays out in that book is exactly where he puts that fictitious beach town. Um, oh, wow. Okay. It, it, it's the southernmost beach, I think he says in the book, in North mm-hmm. Carolina, which is Sunset Beach right before you get into Myrtle. So yeah. I, I, that same thing, I, I was just picturing what that area of the country looks like and whether you've been there or not, he does such a, a good job with it. Uh, what about you, Trace? What's your favorite? I think it's challenging because I haven't read tons of Stephen King. Um, I think before I was a, I would say right around the time I became a Christian, I read Pet Cemetery, and that <laughs> yeah. really freaked me out. Yep. And then I believe it may have been Greg and Matt that told me I need to like burn all my <laughs> my Stephen King books and Billy Joel CDs. So I got rid of all of them, and then I was like, hey. So I would say. 
I would say it is up there. It was a big investment over the summer, but I just liked how it went from adulthood to childhood. It was, it gave me like a lot to think about. The characters were so, so real. I love the, um, even the, like the little love story between, you know, some of the kids and and, yeah. yeah, it was just. I don't know. It just, I think even on vacation, I was reading that I actually called you, Greg. Yes. Remember on, on a Sunday <laughs> in between Greg's sermons, I forgot he did like a thousand services on a Sunday. So, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I'm so sorry to bother you. And he's like, Oh no, I'll talk about this in between messages. And <laughs> yeah. of course, Matt was shocked. He's I like, know. how can he stop and talk about Stephen King in between sermons? I, I was know. like, Stephen, it's, a, it's I, a escape for Greg. I got to tell you, it was, it was invigorating for you because we, we do three services on Sunday. So oh, man. normally I, I come in and it's a little oasis in my office right where we are right mm-hmm. now doing this, uh, doing this podcast. And I normally look over the notes. I might make a few tweaks, you know, you know, uh, on the PowerPoint or something like that. And that day you texted me, Tracy, it was, you were at the beach yeah, and, uh, you were loving it. And I said, man, I'd love to talk about that. And yeah. all I can tell you is it was invigorating. Yeah. yeah, you know, you preach the best sermon of your life. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Matt was like flabbergasted, but yeah. it, it's like there were certain parts in the book that I just I needed to just I liked it because it it forced me to want to like dialogue with someone about it right. to understand it yeah. and get their thoughts on like what are you thinking about this and. I didn't know anyone else who read it, so I had to call you on a yeah. Sunday. That's a sign of a good book when when you want to talk about it with somebody. Yeah, and work your good book, movie. Um, and for for me, mine. I don't know if you guys have read it. I think Tracy, you told me you hadn't, but um, uh, it's called Hearts in Atlantis. Um, oh, that audio book of that is amazing. Oh man, isn't that again? Same thing. The the feel of that book. I remember the main story where he's he's got the college dormitory life down oh. so well. Ronnie and, Mallon fan? Yes, yes, yes. And remember how they're playing? They're they're they're, they're completely addicted to that card game. They're um, playing hearts. Yeah, they're playing hearts. Queen of Spades. Yes, exactly. And they were they're chasing the and then it's a cuss word. But man, yeah, like, right, right, oh, exactly. Man, it's the. Oh, I was gonna say the, I listened to the audio version of that. Yeah, some of the audio versions are I I forget who the narrator is, but he's fantastic. Sorry, I cut you off. Keep no, going. no, no. That's it. No, I I felt the same way about that book. It's uh, they they did it as a movie, which was okay. Remember, it had Anthony Hopkins. And, yeah, um, I didn't see that one. It, it was okay. It wasn't one of his worst. I know we're gonna talk about movies uh, as well <laughs> a little bit, but uh, I don't know if you remember how that ended. And again, I won't really give it away. But the again the mood that he creates, I remember he he keeps referencing the chorus to the Platters' uh, Twilight Time, Heavenly Shades yeah. of Night Are Falling, and he he can just work that stuff so well. I'm done the book and I'm, I'm I'm like crying. I mean I'm not bawling, but I'm I'm teary the way he finishes up the book and he's kind of looking back on his college years now that he's an older man, um, and it was it was just so well done. And that's again not a horror book per se. For the the real geeks, it ties into the Dark Tower series, which yeah. is kind of the epicenter of his thought world, his universe. But you, Ted, Bro- Ted brought again smoking his cigarette. That's right. That's right. Yeah, drinking root drinking root beer. Yep, yep. The cigarettes and root beer. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was great. Now, Stephen, why do you do? Do you just prefer audio books to just opening up? No, I book? actually no, I. Uh, I will, I try, <laughs> I try to get my books in a lot of different formats. Um, so I'm constantly, usually reading a book. Sometimes I'm reading a hardcover or like a, a paperback slash hardcover and mm-hmm. on my Kindle. And then I run a lot. Yeah. Um, okay. 
Same here. I, I run and drive, and so I'm almost always uh, listening to a book while I'm running and driving as well. Sometimes I'll do podcasts while I'm driving, but I, I make a lot of progress through books by okay. uh, by listening while I run. Yeah. So. Okay. Very cool. That's that's my that's my method to my madness. You should start that, Greg. Oh yeah, yeah. Running and listening. Yeah, I'm often running. Um, <laughs> Stephen and see, he's never seen me, so he can't really appreciate it. <laughs> we'll but, send you a picture, Stephen, yeah. and you'll you'll <laughs> understand why we're saying what you, we're saying. You have the uh, you have the slim physique of a of a runner. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's it. Are you taking a picture to send? I to took Tracy? a picture to send you, Stephen, and you'll you'll see. <laughs> wow, man, great. Yeah. Just know. Um, just know, Stephen, podcasting adds 50 pounds. It's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of conventional wisdom is what they say. Yeah, there, it's, it's a hard it, – well, and it's a hard profession yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, it looks like he's it's, roughing it here. It's very it's rigorous. <laughs> it's stressful. You know, like they show those pictures of the president before he goes into yeah. office. <laughs> <laughs> Very similar. Yeah. This very is a, similar with podcasts. This is a thousand times worse in Greg's yeah, case. Yeah. Did it? Did it? Matt one time say Nathan? I thought that was Matt before before we podcasted that he said I look like the before picture for everything. Do you remember that? I'm almost <laughs> positive. That's the way he encourages me. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's good. So let me ask you, um, what is um, – this is, uh, again, to all three of you. What is your least favorite book? This time, Greg, let's start with you. That's an easy one for me. Uh, least favorite was a book called Tommyknockers, which uh, King himself, I've seen in interviews, I think regrets writing. Um, but I will say this. It is a book, and I, I was looking at YouTube last night, knowing we were going to do this, where a guy was talking about his least favorite books of King. Some of those I, I like, but his point was even a bad book by King, I think because of some of the things we're talking about, his – his just ability to create a world and his mm -hmm. characters are so intricate and interesting that you kind of realize the book sucks when you're done. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But you're, now, you're, you're willing to read it because he's good. Now what made that your least favorite? It was, um, it was, he, I think again, he took on too much. Mm -hmm. Basically Tommy knockers is an alien ghost story. Mm -hmm. I mean, you learn that pretty early on, but, Strange happenings are, uh, you know, popping up around some again town in Maine, mm -hmm. Derry, or some such place, and um, you find out that they're ghosts, but they're ghosts of aliens who crashed. So I almost got the thought he had a man, what a great, unique idea! I'm going to combine aliens and a ghost story, and it just didn't work, hmm. and uh, the ending was horrible. But was that written during his heavy alcohol drug use? You know what I I. I thought that I because you were saying Tracy Cujo he wrote in yeah. that kind of state. I don't think so. He doesn't. Stephen. Yeah, I, I don't think he remembers writing much of Cujo. Yeah, that's, that's what I just read. Yeah. He doesn't. Rem he wishes that he did though. Which yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a scene in 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 one of the Dark Tower books, you know, where he's in it himself, which a lot of people don't like. It's sort of a, a metafiction thing, where it's set in that same time period. It's I want to say early '80s, late '70s. And the whole time he's talking, he's pulling beer after beer after beer out of the fridge, pretty yeah, much admitting I was in a stupor most of that time. This, I think, was later. I want to say this was after it, probably late 80s, 89 or 90. It was just a not a very good book. Didn't they do a TV movie with that, <laughs> with did. like Christopher Reeve or yeah, something? It was, it was awful, man. I mean, I know we're going to talk about it, but it was. But the book was pretty awful, too, in, in my opinion. So, 
I I don't really have a least favorite. I I will say the the shining was pretty like kind of creeped me pretty uh-huh. bad. Yeah. Um but in turn I I don't have a least favorite. Mm-hmm. I just I I didn't love the the effect on me that the shining had mainly mm-hmm. just cuz it would creep me out. Yeah. Yeah. Now what about that was was creepier than some of his other works? Uh it was kind of close to reality. Mm-hmm. Like you could it wasn't I don't know. There's some horror things that I feel like you can imagine them. They're just they're so they're so out there that it, they don't seem plausible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's it's a and it's family based. That kind of stuff always gets mm-hmm. me too. And yeah. stuff is family based because yeah. I have a family. I don't. And it wasn't it wasn't this implausible horror. It was like I, I, I'm not going to give anything away other than say it's it's a guy and his family alone in a hotel and. Right. Like his grip on sanity starts to go. Yeah, yeah. So it, Steven, it's just da- creepy. Steven, your daughters don't look like the twins in that movie, do they? <laughs> that would be really I, well, terrifying. I haven't seen the movie. I haven't seen the movie, and I don't plan on it for that yeah. exact reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That stuff yeah. weirds me out. I don't. I don't like getting weirded out by that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Tracy. Well, oddly enough, I I was I was actually going to say The Shining. I didn't read all of The Shining. I had seen the movie years ago, and I thought I'm going to go back and read the book. And I only got a portion of the way because it just – it did totally creep me out. And I just – I couldn't – I can't it's remember intense. where I stopped, yeah. but I, I just couldn't do it. I just yeah. – it was – I don't know. It was just affecting me in like a weird way. So I just thought, you know what? I can – I'll pick up something else. And well, Yeah, and it's like Stephen King has – like he has books, like even his uh, his uh, one of his more recent one that I read, Mister Mercedes. Right. It was really creepy. It was creepy. Yeah. It was really creepy, but it was so far from anything that I'll ever experience that right. it didn't bother me like that. Right, right, yeah. That's so, th- that's the first. Now, uh, did you know that's the first in a three part series, Stephen? Yeah, I did, yeah. and I started reading. It was funny. I started. I I got a uh, Finders Keepers at the library. And then my wife accidentally returned it. So, oh, <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I gotta go back and gotta get that one again. You will because End of Watch comes out uh, this summer. Is that what it's it? called? I think it comes yeah. out in uh, June. Yeah, it will be the third. I mean, Mr. Mercedes had some really disturbing elements. To it, it did. Blah. It did. Blah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it did. He and it's pretty chilling in parts, no doubt. Hmm. Um, all right, and again, this is going to be for all three of you. Let me um, ask. Your your take. A lot of his works, um, particularly earlier, were horror based. Um, would you classify King as a horror writer now? Hmm. Tracy, why don't we start with you? Wow, that's a tough one. I, I mean, I, I think you should start with someone else because I haven't read more of his recent things hmm. aside from. Um, well, I have read Mister Mercedes and Finders Keeper. I wouldn't consider them necessarily horror. I think they're more um, thrillers. Yeah, I agree. Um, they're, they're almost uh, Silence of the Lambs uh, meets Law and Order. You know, you, you've got a yeah. police criminal background to it. Um, I, I would say, Tracy, uh, I mean, this is my take, and I'd be curious to hear um, Stevens as well. I actually don't think of King as a horror writer. And sometimes to, if you want to give people the test, you know, hey, you might like Stephen King and don't realize it. You just have to throw out the Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. People yeah. will say, what? You know, that's that's based on a King mm-hmm. short story yeah. or a novella called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. 
Um, the Green Mile, did you like that? A lot of people did. Hey, that's a, a Stephen King book, which I'd love to talk about. We'll see if we have time. Uh, that came out um, – I read that when I was in seminary. Uh, again, I kept it hush-hush, but it was 96. And book. Um, Yeah, isn't it a great book? And it came out, Stephen, then. It's serial. It's exactly. Serial I went to Walmart like the first – Tuesday of every month, or you know, whenever it um, it came out, and spent my two ninety nine for the little fifty page um, great. booklet, and it was awesome. And he said he always wanted to write the way Dickens wrote, and those guys wrote sort of in serial format. Um, so those books, yeah, they have some supernatural elements in them. Again, Hearts in Atlantis, the the new one that Hulu is doing uh, with J.J. Abrams and James Franco, eleven twenty two sixty three, is not a horror story at all it is just a really unbelievably well done um really historical piece there's a time travel element i mean you learn from the uh from the get-go that he you know he he basically needs to find a way to get this dude back to the early 1960s to prevent the jfk killing on 11 63 but um it's almost like he dispenses with that quickly enough and you're just reading about this guy from 2016 or 2014, whenever it was written, um, living his life in the 60s. And I think I read King did two and a half years of research on, wow. on that. You know, and I, I just love the guy's work at, uh, work ethic. So I would say King writes horror still. Uh, his new book, The Bizarre Bad Dreams, is a short story collection. Mm-hmm. They tend to have more of the horror element. And he does. He writes it. He writes it well. But he's a lot broader than that. I mean, he wrote a book on baseball. Not long ago, because he's a, a lifelong Red Sox fan. I mean, that's my thought. What, um, uh, what's your thought on him, Steven? Yeah, I feel the same way as you, Greg. I feel, uh, it just seems like I think he likes writing horror. Like I think he's he's acknowledged his affinity for those old time, you know, horror stories. He horror stories he grew up on. Yeah. But he's so he's so much broader than that. He. Um, I I mean he I think he's become known to the general public a lot of times as a horror writer because a lot of his movies end up getting turned into horror-type movies. Right. Um, but, I, don't, I mean, I, I just – I agree with you. He's he's so much broader than horror and he – I don't know. Maybe this is a – I don't watch a lot of horror, so maybe this is the wrong way to look at it. But I feel like horror so often relies on like this sort of shock and awe, like let's gross you out, freak you out as much as possible. Yeah. And I don't feel like I don't feel like Stephen King is like that at all. He's a very like well thought, nuanced writer. Um, yeah, agreed, agreed. So yeah, that's where I go. Yeah, yeah. He's not uh, he's not Saw. You know, <laughs> the Saw movies, which are kind of intentionally oh, right, right. Yeah. shock and awe. Let's do the gross out. Let's do the um, over the top. You know, body part mutilation kind of you know stuff just to disturb people. He does. He. Um, I don't know if the word is restraint, but um, he can do that. I mean, I, uh, he, yeah. he has the scene or two that you think, oh, wow, that is horrible. Um, but it, it's generally not what characterizes his writing, I don't think. Yeah, like the scene in uh, 11 where the, the dad is going with the hammer. Oh, man. Wow. What? Yeah. 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 That was a, a shining-like what? moment you know he uh it was nasty it was it was and uh i've seen the first three of the uh of the hulu series and um you know it's a great adaptation there was a few things that are changed 
but that's not one of them. You know, he, he portrays that pretty chillingly. Um, yeah. and it's, uh, but again, even in the writing of that, it's, it's, it's real. I mean, it feels like it's not gratuitous. You feel like you're watching this horrible thing that you would see on the 11 o'clock news. You just yeah. happen to be, you know, in the living room of the house where it's, where it's taking place. Right. So let me ask you guys this. We're going to move into just, um, you know, kind of some generic questions. Um, some people have criticized King um, for, you know, maybe not being as strong with his endings. Yeah. Um, what are what are some of your all thoughts on that? Greg, let's go ahead and start with you. Yeah. Um, I know, Tracy, you haven't read the Dark Tower series. No. Did Did you read it, Stephen? I got into the first one, and yeah. I haven't gotten past the first one yet. I oh. mean, I, I I got through all of the first one and didn't end up on the second one yet. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I'll say that one sort of as a almost a metaphor for his other works. Um, I, I enjoyed all seven of them. You know, there's seven books. That's kind of his massive uh, magnum opus, I guess, of uh, you know his his writing. The first four are just unbelievably good. I mean, I thought they they were. The characters were so rich. Um, you care so much about these characters that he paints. And, uh, you know, I've read a lot of uh, critique of the last three, and I don't know how universally shared this is, but they, they seemed a bit rushed. Um, it almost seemed that, you know, King needed to satisfy the fans that wanted the story to come to it. And because that, I mean, he, he wrote the first one in 1982, um, The Gunslinger. And here we are, late 90s, early 2000s. People are like, okay, come on, get on with it, Stephen. Stop writing four other novels in between your next one. So he put out the last three in pretty quick succession. And um, I thought they were still good, but I did notice a slight loss. And a lot of people, I'm not going to give it away, hated the ending. Um, but I almost felt like he was cursed from the start. When there's that much buildup, um, you know, I remember, uh, you know, that's how the podcast Serial was. Remember that? How is she, how is she going to end Serial? Um, you know, and I think even uh, SNL and some other outfits did a, a parody on that because she was under yeah. so much stress. Um, I would say there are some endings that you think, oh, okay. Uh, but he does have that reputation. If, if you just Google search Stephen King endings, I, I did that last night in prep for this question. Um yeah, <clears throat> there's a few that he might flub that you think, man, all that for this kind of fizzled out ending. But again, I find his book so intriguing that you almost forgive it. That's how, at least how I've done it. Uh, yeah, I'm in the same life. boat too. Greg, did you read uh, – or Tracy, did you guys read Revival? That's what I haven't read yet, but I want to. Yeah, I well, haven't read the it either. En- the ending on that one like disappointed me. Okay. But then but there's other ones like where the ending I just feel is really appropriate. Like I liked how Joyland ended. Yeah. Um I I liked Hearts in Atlantis. Yeah. I like you know his shorts in his novellas. I mean, I I have had mixed I guess mixed experiences, but man, the guy's written like over 50 books. I know. So, you're going to have some that aren't maybe as satisfying as others. Yeah. But you you got to take the, I feel like you have to take the body of work as a whole. And I, I enjoy him so much as a whole, as an author that I'm willing to, to take a bad ending every now and then. Agreed. Agreed. What about you, Tracy? I know you haven't read as many, but yeah, any, I, any I, endings to, 
I think uh, the ending of it was awesome. It was very satisfying, but I was worried because I think people have, I had heard that he flubbed en- endings yeah. and I so was invested in that. Like I didn't want it to be disappointing, Yeah. but I think because I've only read select books and they're usually because I either ask you or somebody else, what, right. which King would you choose? So people are going to tell me books that, you know, they generally feel like are good from start to finish. So I haven't had too much experience with bad endings with King. But Mr. I Mercedes so was a really good end. Oh yeah, yeah. and oh, Finders yeah. Keepers. Wait till you read that one. Yeah. Very good end. It, was, it just makes you want it, more. It was like a great. It was a very good like everything built to the end of yeah. Mr. Mercedes, which I really liked. It just kept building to that end. It did. Yeah, it did. And uh, I mean that was intense. I mean when you're reading a book, you're not watching a movie, and you know, again I don't want to give it away, but the. The scene in the in the concert hall and oh, yeah. and all those things yeah. that were going on. You, literally, I, I just I yeah. could not put it down. I, I think I finished that book at like three thirty in the morning because uh, I made the error of like you know reading a little at like twelve thirty <laughs> at night for twenty minutes, and I it was at that point where it's like now nah, there's there's no turning back. Yeah, uh, you know, sort of when you're binging on Breaking Bad, <laughs> you you know you're gonna finish it until you get to the end. Um, yeah, but I think you'll really like Finders Keepers too, Stephen. When you finish that, the that's way that's a great is. one. Stephen King does really, at least I think he does very good, like psychologically disturbed people. Yes. Oh yeah. He does. And the 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 bad person, the villain, whatever you want to call him, in Mister Mercedes was oh. so psychologically disturbed. It was it was creepy how disturbed he was it with was. his mother and the conversation. Oh. Disgusting. Yeah. Oh but, yeah. 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 That was nasty. That was. Um. We are uh, we're at the forty five minute mark right now, so I want to um, kind of move us along um, to a couple of, of questions, and I'm going to combine these two. Sure, Greg, you made a you made a um, statement earlier about um, King's comment on um, God, yeah. saying what was it? He's cruel. Yeah. Um, what What do you think is King's overall portrayal of God? Um, and then, kind of combined with that. Um, the aspect we, we, you also touched on this a little bit. The aspect of human depravity that he seems to really focus on and get and do well. Yeah, kind of, kind of talk about those things a little bit side by side. Yeah, well, uh, I'll start with the the second because I think it'll lead to the first. But mm-hmm. uh, Stephen, when you mentioned The Shining and how uh, disturbing uh, of a book that was, I'm, I'm with you on it. I read an interview with King oh, 15 years ago where he says The Shining is the point in his career where he made a turn that most people didn't realize. I don't remember the exact passage, but he actually quotes the exact passage in The Shining where Jack Torrance, you know, the main character, he's, of course, played by Nicholson in the movie. Everybody's seen that Here's Johnny scene. Um, where he basically um, chooses to do the wrong thing when he's, yeah. got a, when he's got a clear choice to do otherwise. And King said up until that point in his writing, he felt that the evil was generally forced upon people. And it was at that point where he thought, what would it be like to write a story where the evil is internalized within the person? Um, Oh, wow. And it was a really cool concept. Of course, (laughs) using none of the buzzwords we would use as Christians, depravity and the sin nature and all these things. But I, I, I got the vibe. That's what he was describing and there's a quote in one of his books. It might even be it, uh, Tracy, where he says, uh, uh, monsters are real, ghosts are real, they live inside of us, and sometimes yeah. they win. Uh, and that's a um, 
I've I've loved because I read an article. I think it was in Rolling Stone or I don't know some puff piece thing years ago in a doctor's office comparing King and Dean Koontz. And I've read some Koontz mm. as well. And the the point that the writer was making, and again, he wasn't trying to make a spiritual point, was that it seems that Koontz believes man is basically good, and evil is the occasional anomaly that makes a really interesting story. Where the guy says, where it seems like King seems to think. Humanity is a bit more messed up uh, and a little bit more of a train wreck, and he writes from within that perspective, where even his good characters often have really disturbingly uh, realistic flaws. Um, And so I I think King nails depravity, whether he knows it or not. I just think the way he describes man and the way we often think, uh, our pettiness, the way we uh, exact vengeance or try to, insecurities i just think he nails god i would just say i i don't know i i have tried to get a cohesive picture for years because i'm so interested in the guy in what his view of god is i definitely think he is a theist of some sort um he seems to bring enough of the supernatural in uh i think there is like in a book like it there's a little bit of deism uh almost pantheism in there where you've got You've got these the turtle, Tracy. The turtle. You've got these these divine like beings that don't seem to be involved mm-hmm. in life. So you take a book like Desperation, where the characters, the, the 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 mentor in that book is an older man named Johnny, is telling the young kid, "It's not that you need to give up on God. You need to accept that God is cruel." I realize that will offend a lot of Christians, but I'm thinking. I'm not expecting King to articulate a Christian worldview because mm-hmm. I, I don't think he claims to be a believer. I want to hear how he thinks about God, about the supernatural. Um, a little harder to grasp, but in many ways it makes me sad when I read his books because I think he gets depravity right, but the the redemption, of course, mm-hmm. is it, it isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting to see how he understands life unfolding. And uh, Curious to get your thoughts on that, Stephen. Yeah, I was I'm, I was looking to see if I could find the the passage. Uh, oh, here, okay. So, the, just a one aside he has in his book on writing. He just mentions that he believes in God, but he has no use for organized religion. Uh, yeah, I just read that. and you see that again and again in his books. And I almost wonder if he had a bad experience somewhere along the way with a religious authority. Because in so many of his books, there's a corrupt religious person. Right. Um, And so I just wonder if he, somewhere in his history, had a bad encounter with, I don't know if it would have been a pastor, a Christian, or if he's just generally cynical about, if it's just maybe generally cynical, but just... Very often you find some sort of either weird or corrupt religious person um, showing up in his books. Oftentimes one of the bad people is actually religious. Yeah. Um, and so I, I – but I think what you said is true. I mean why would any you – know, why would you expect Stephen King to be any different? He's not a believer. Right. I mean that, that's right. what you would expect out of a guy like that. And the thing I appreciate about him is he – he writes like someone who is 
just spent time around people. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he understands people. He understands, like you said, the how how sinful, how broken, how messed up we are. He wouldn't use those terms, but when you read it, I mean, he that's what I think makes him not feel like fiction is he's so accurately and adequate, adequately describing humanity. And I think I think he's able to just give voice to a lot of the depraved thoughts that other people might not be able to articulate. Yes. Yeah. So he's just, uh, yeah, I, I would love to see him get saved, Yeah, (laughs) which would be amazing. But until then, that doesn't keep me from appreciating what he does. Yeah. Mm. Stephen, let me give you a great quote then that I heard in the late eighties as a young Christian, if Stephen King got saved, he could be almost as good as Frank Peretti. Oh, <laughs> uh, sad. Anybody want to? What a terrible, yeah. terrible thing <laughs> terrible. to say. No, I heard that from a guy. Literally said, "I mean, Frank Peretti is to Stephen King, and I, I'm not. I didn't mean to denigrate Frank Peretti. I would just say he's he's not." Um, <laughs> But do you remember the rest of that quote, Greg, about um, the God is cruel? Yeah. I think it's God is cruel. Sometimes he lets you live. Right. And I think he's talking about the heartache and right. the, the the loss of, of a love. And I think that's just really insightful. Yes. Yes. And, and there's a sense in which, no, he's, he's not right in the most technical theological right. sense. But the things God allows for, mm-hmm. I mean, we know this, to experience, mm-hmm. right. there's a sense in which... God's not the God of TBN. He's not right. the God of, right. you know, peaches and cream. I mean, you, you do see that. So to hear a guy try to wrestle with that from an unbelieving perspective is is really interesting right. to me. It, uh, another quote that we put up to kind of uh, mm-hmm. promote this, Nathan, was um, – I don't remember which book this is from. But listen how insightful this is. He says, people don't get better. They just get smarter. When you get smarter, you don't stop pulling the wings off flies – you just think of better reasons for doing it. Um, I mean, isn't that just a great insight? And he's basic. I take that as, yeah, man's nature in many mm-hmm. ways is, is mm-hmm. there's still a problem with it. Mm-hmm. We just find a way to be more sophisticated about it as we get older. And I mean, that's that's better stuff than I read in some pop Christian literature. But yeah. For sure. Yeah. It seems like if you understand depravity like he does, but you don't have a grasp of the saving work of God in Christ, then you are going to write like he does. I mean, if, Mm -hmm. if you, he doesn't have the hope of the gospel. So all he sees is the depravity. And so the result is he writes really well about depravity. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, have to ask you, since we haven't read revival, isn't the main character in revival, a a preacher? Yeah, it, it is. It's, uh, (laughs) <laughs> but again, it it goes bad. Okay, it goes so bad. it's it's yeah. another it's another it, it's that same theme again. It's a religious person who ends up twisted or depraved in some way. It's just a really interesting look at at organized religion as a whole. Interesting, mm. interesting, because he uh, you, that is a great uh, point you make that a lot of his characters that are bad are deeply religious. And did either of you ever read the Talisman? No, I haven't. I okay, haven't. that that's a really good book. He wrote that with Peter Straub, um, and then he did a sequel like twenty five years later called uh, Black House. But the Talisman, one of the the bad guys in it, is a preacher, and it's chilling. 
So just a thought. Well, you have the warden too in Shawshank. I mean, he's kind of yeah. he uses like religious overtones and yeah. just yeah. Remember, and is it, yeah. What, yeah. What book is it? Oh man, I'm totally blanking. But it's in the early scene where the guy's a door to door. Is he a door to door Bible salesman and he kills a dog? Yeah, I. That, oh, what what book is that in? Though I can't remember what book that's in. That's familiar to me. I hope it's not because I've killed a dog. No, it's. Uh, <laughs> I, but it he is. It is familiar to me. Um, you know what, Stephen? We'll put that out to our listeners, and they'll tell nah, me. Yeah, no, it's going to drive me bonkers. Somebody out there. <laughs> oh, knows that. the dead. It's in the dead zone. Oh, that's the dead zone. Saying. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I that's Google. I just googled it, and I was like, because I knew it was going to drive me crazy <laughs> if I couldn't remember. Yeah, it's in. <laughs> yeah, that's a great scene too. The it, it's this guy who's a. Yeah, he's a door-to-door Bible salesman, and he kicks a dog to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that sounds like a classic King moment right there for sure. Yeah. Well, we are um, we are out of time right now. This has been uh, so much fun, so great, Stephen. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was a blast. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, we just want to start a Stephen King podcast. Right there. We go. <laughs> that would be that's your yes. new calling. Yes, and. Stephen, you've got more context than I do, so I'm trusting you to leverage getting uh, Mr. King himself on to talk to us about that. That would be that would well, be like sweet. you. We could call it like kind of like you said. We could call it the King of Kings on the King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, yes absolutely. I'm sure there'd be many people that would approve of that, which is scary. Um, <laughs> But I'm bummed we didn't get to uh, – We didn't get to, to talking about movies, so uh, we're going to have to save for part two. Or the, oh, yeah. Or or the writing because yeah. obviously, um, you know, since you, Stephen, are a writer and you love to teach writing, I know his book on writing meant a lot to you. So yeah, we'll, it, we'll, yeah. we'll see if we can do that some other time. That's and, right. Uh, That'd be great. Whenever the lines fall pleasantly for us, we'll, we'll see if that works. Absolutely. Um, and we great. just want to remind everyone, again, we're going to give away uh, three free copies of Stephen Altrogi's book, uh, Create. Um, so for those of you who uh, randomly uh, – I'm sorry. For those of you who retweet this particular yep. podcast, tweet it out. Um, we are going to randomly select three of you um, next week when, yep. we, uh, when we have our next week's podcast with um, – we're going to have uh, Steve on again, right? Not next, Steve Altrogi, uh, but Steve yeah, Hartland. I think it's Steve Hartland next week. That's yep. right. Yep. So, all right. Lady, gentlemen, this has been great. We just rocked the Casbah. Rocked it. These go to 11.